Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reflecting more deeply on the last words of Jesus in Luke's Gospel, beginning in Luke 24, verse 48, where Jesus says, You are witnesses of these things. And um, I was talking about this in last week's podcast, about how these things refer to um, what happens immediately prior to this, where Jesus um, appears to the the 11 disciples, along with the two that had been walking on the road to Emmaus and some others that were, you know, with the 11. And he appears as resurrected from the dead and he comes to them in verse 36 and um, and stands in their midst and says to them peace be to you and their reaction is um, that they're startled and frightened and they thought they were seeing a spirit so the disciples are not clued in to at all what to what you know what Jesus had been telling them and what according to Jesus they should have been keyed into if they were readers of scripture the law and the prophets. You know, earlier when uh, the disciples who are walking with Jesus, you know, when he comes alongside them and they don't recognize him on the road to Emmaus, um, you know, when they are complaining um, and saying how, you know, how they were hoping that he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel, that Jesus was going to be the Messiah that would do that, and um, and how they had heard that um, some of the women had amazed them because they'd gone to the tomb early and the body wasn't there. And, um, and then, you know, some of, some of them went to the tomb and found it exactly as the woman had said. And they saw, um, you know, they didn't see Jesus. And then Jesus responds to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning him, himself, in all the scriptures. So Jesus, um, he was expecting his disciples to not be foolish people and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken, right? He was expecting them to be keyed in and aware that um, that the, the law and the prophets spoke about how the Christ would be a Christ who came to would come to suffer, um, and then to enter into His glory. And so, here we are again, when um, you know later when Jesus is appearing to the eleven, and and also those other two, and uh, you know He says, "Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts?" Um, you know why? That's His response to their being frightened, you know, startled and frightened. You know He asks them you know, why are you troubled? You know, why do doubts arise in your hearts? And why are they troubled? You know, why are they troubled to be seeing Jesus resurrected? Why wouldn't they, you know, be, I guess, spiritually awakened so that they would they would be able to welcome him and recognize him right away? I mean, he had been the one that they followed who they were disciples of, and now there he is. And um, why were the doubts arising in their hearts. And um, and then he shows them. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
And then he goes on and says to them and shows them his hands and his feet. So it's like this real emphasizing over and over in these verses, um, you know, that that he wants them to see that actually he he's himself and he's alive now and he's not a ghost. Um, and why would that be important that he be a physical flesh and blood resurrected body rather than just a spirit? Is isn't it enough if, if they saw him as a spirit or as a ghost? You know, why is Jesus um, wanting for them to recognize that his actual body is raised from the dead? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because uh, a couple days ago on Friday night, I, uh, you know, I went to my dad's place. My dad's 94 and he's been under hospice care and, um, you know, the last three months, he's really been declining from congestive heart failure and COPD. And, you know, but we haven't known exactly, you know, how long he had to go. He's, his attitude's been really positive. You know, every time I talk to him about, you know, about dying, he says, you know, Bob, I love life. I love living. And, um, but then on Friday, he told my brother, who's been staying with him for the last month, that he wanted to die and that he wanted to go and to be with Jesus, which is something he had never, never said. He, he stated that he wasn't afraid to die, but he hadn't said that he wanted to die and that he wanted to go to be with Jesus. And, and he hadn't eaten for a day. So we thought, okay, this is, this is serious. So I jumped in my car. I'd already been there to see him that day, and, but he hadn't yet stated that. And so I, I rushed over to where he was. It's about a 15, 20 minute drive from my house and just thinking, okay, I, I need to really take this moment seriously because this could be my dad's last night. And, um, and so I was with him, with my younger, youngest brother and we, we blessed my dad. You know, we just, uh, it was such a powerful experience because my dad was, was really at peace. And at the same time, I mean, just uh, agitated. He was having a hard time breathing. So he wasn't agitated for fear of death, but just he was, you know, he was he was in the process of dying, and the the people that that work at the, um, you know, at the care facility where he was being cared for, um, you know, they took him to the bathroom and they got him undressed and helped him get into his bed and he lay there with his oxygen on and and then they left and my brother and I just went from his feet and just blessed his feet and his knees and his stomach and his lungs and his heart and his hands. And we just uh, spoke words of a blessing and thanksgiving over him for all the things that he'd done with these, you know, with his body and uh, blessed his mouth as, uh, as someone who had been such a tender person who'd spoken so much life into us and who'd borne witness to Jesus um, quite a lot, actually, in the last year of his life with the, the attendants at the, you know, the care facility and, and anyone that he came into contact with. And, and then we, we just said, Dad, um, we release you. You know, just be released to go to join the cloud of witnesses to, you know, to uh, release your spirit whenever you're ready. Just, you, you know, just be, be released. We, we love you and we bless you to just, uh, and we let you go. And, um, and then I felt this strong, st strong sense that I needed to tell him how proud I was of him. Um, 
which uh, meant so much. He just uh, he just drank it in, and and then he fell asleep, and uh, and I left. And early the next morning, you know, um, we we get a call from you know the care facility saying that he that he died, and um, and it's been just a powerful last few days. You know, a sad a sad time. But at the same time, um, just a sense of like, wow, my dad, he really died well. I mean, he, he lived well and he, and he, and he died well and, um, blessed in the sight of God are the death of his saints. And, uh, I think I witnessed that I witnessed a confidence that he had in his salvation and in the victory of Jesus over death. And I believe that that's a direct result of him actually believing in Jesus's victory over death and in believing in the resurrection of the body and uh, which is something that he that he did believe in and yet here these disciples you know they their first reaction is uh, that they're seeing a spirit they can't really believe that actually a body um, of someone who's who's just been brutally executed and who they've uh, they buried in a cave, and uh, and this is days afterwards, right? That he's standing there among amongst them as Jesus himself, and yet, and he asks them, "Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts?" And I've been thinking a lot about that this last week because uh, you know when I think about about Jesus in the demands that he made on his disciples, you know, his teachings are so radical. Um, he calls us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. And we have to be willing to hate our own life and, and, and to place our allegiance to Jesus and our devotion to him and to proclaiming the kingdom of God as the highest um, value that we have as the, as what orients our every, our every, waking hour that, you know, to follow Jesus is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And the disciples, they, they saw that, you know, that Jesus himself, his life uh, given it, given over to, um, to the will of the Father and poured out in love to the point of death, um, was a life that led to persecution. You know, the religious authorities um, were able to succeed in convincing the Roman authorities to execute Jesus. And, um, and so they knew that, um, that Jesus's teaching and his life, his practice of his teachings, his embodiment of you know, like being God with us led to, led to all kinds of troubles. And, um, and he was calling them to do the same things that he did, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to proclaim, um, you know, the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom, to, you know, to give their lives in the same way that he had. And so when they killed him, and they were all able to, you know, sort of get off scot-free in a way, right? Peter succeeded in denying him three times, and no one... Uh, nailed him and said, well, wait a minute. No, you're denying it, but you are one of his disciples. And um, 
arrest him. You know, I mean, that, that didn't happen. Peter got away with his, with his lies and his denials. And all the other disciples were able to flee. And, and there they are. They're safe. And, um, and so they were able to, to make it out of a, of a very, you know, very perilous kind of situation with Jesus. And, and maybe there was a sense of relief, like, okay, this was amazing. Wow. But it's over. Phew. What, um, what a relief. So, you know, maybe, maybe we can't and we won't be able to just sort of do what Jesus thought we could do because like he couldn't even do it. Look, he died. And so there he is. He's, he's back. He's alive. And they're seeing the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. And he's like making sure that they see that he is, he's the same one that was just executed, but there he is standing with them. And so suddenly it's like all of the, the movement that Jesus had initiated them into is, is right before them. And it's right before us. You know, we are um, also, you know, we're witnesses. We're, we're choosing to believe these witnesses. And, um, and we ourselves are having experiences where we also become witnesses of, um, of the reality of that Jesus is alive. And, um, and so now all of the demands of the Gospels are, are still um, upon us and as invitations for us to step into the fullness of the ministry of Jesus, the way he practiced it, knowing that it, it could and might easily lead to the same sort of uh, opposition from, you know, from the establishment, from religious authorities, from political authorities, that and it could lead to our becoming martyrs, to our death. And, um, and so the fact that Jesus three days later resurrects and there he is, is such a strong word to them and to us that, um, that we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear death. So Jesus, when he says, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? He's actually interpreting um, them being startled and frightened um, because they think they're seeing a spirit as them being troubled and them having doubts arising in their hearts. Um, and so the question is, why? Are we troubled? Are we troubled that Jesus is alive after having been executed and that um, his call to us is the same call that was made to the disciples, you know, in the Gospels? Um, maybe that should be troubling to us if that's not something we've stepped into. But why is that troubling to us? Um, and, I, and I wonder if it's troubling to us because, because we really don't believe that Jesus is victory, victorious over death. We're really uh, afraid of, of, of persecution. We're afraid of, of being arrested, afraid of being, um, you know, of being killed and of, of suffering the consequences like what Jesus suffered and like what m most of his disciples suffered. And so many people throughout history have suffered, you know, martyrdom. They've, they've died and they're, they're being killed now in places like Iran and um, Somalia and, and lots of countries around the world, Eritrea, um, North Korea, Christians are, are suffering. And, um, and maybe we would be being persecuted and suffering more if we were fully living into the prophetic call that, that Jesus embodied and in the gospel accounts. So um, why are we troubled? You know, why um, are, do doubts arise in our hearts?
Well, because maybe we don't really believe that um, that we don't need to fear, uh, that we don't need to be startled and frightened, because um, because in reality, Jesus has overcome the greatest sanction that can be given us, right? The greatest threat, which is that our physical life is taken from us. And um, and so Jesus wants to make sure and says, while they still could not believe it, even when they saw it, right? So if they, as, as eyewitnesses, couldn't believe it, even though he was standing in front of them, it certainly makes sense that it'd be difficult for, for us as well. But then there's this joy and amazement that's beginning to uh, come into their hearts, according to verse 41. And then Jesus says to them, have you anything here to eat? And I just love this because like, um, you know, that's, that's something that is so much of a, of a thing that human beings that we, that we love, you know, we want, we like to be able to eat. I love eating really good food. And maybe one of the fears of losing our life or even, um, or even of our, of our resurrection, you know, the resurrected body is that will our resurrected body be able to enjoy the pleasures of, of eating? And, um, or is this, are we really going to just be spirits, you know, like ghosts, you know, do we believe in the resurrection of the body? Because I think if we, if we could, if that faith could really rise up in us instead of the doubts, and we could believe that our bodies, um, you know, just like we have physical bodies, we're going to have a spiritual body, but it's going to be a body that can actually eat. Because here Jesus um, is given a piece of boiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. And, um, and then he said to them, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you. And that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus is inviting his disciples and us to really read the Old Testament as a witness to himself, as a suffering Messiah. And, um, as a, as a Messiah that doesn't take up arms, that doesn't choose the, the way of self-defense national defense, um, you know, through the sword, through the machine gun. And, uh, and so then it says, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he says to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And of course, that we too, as um, followers of the Christ, um, we need to be willing to give up our lives and then engage in this ministry um, you know, in, in this, as we're surrendered over to, um, you know, to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus to all the nations. And, um, but we can't just do that through a knowledge. We can't just do that through, um, you know, through, I guess, choosing to trust and to believe these truths of the scriptures. Um, Jesus says, um, behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you're to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And it's that power from on high that um, we need to be clothed with that power from on high in order for us to truly believe and to go out um, with the authority and um, I guess the empowerment and the the fearlessness. Um, I mean, of course, there's going to be uh, moments when, when we fear but and we doubt but we need to let that question um, be addressed to us. Why? You know, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? You know, why do they? Why am I troubled that my dad is um, 
we're going to be putting him in the grave. We're going to be burying him Friday, you know, in two days. And we're going to be um, gathering for his memorial service. You know, I'm troubled because my name is, um, his name is Eugene Robert Eckblad, and my name is Eugene Robert Eckblad Jr. And now both of my parents are going to be in graves side by side. And Gracie and I have graves right, you know, grave uh, plots right beside theirs. And, um, and do I believe, do I believe that, um, you know, that whatever could take my life is, is something that I, that I, I need, I needn't fear over, you know, um, it's beautiful what Jesus says in John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God and believe also in me. Or in verse 27, peace I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Um, Jesus, and then First Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Peter says, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. Okay, so we're called to not be troubled. You know, we're called to not be afraid. But in order for that to truly... Um, for us to truly have that, that, that peace, you know, we need, um, you know, we need to enter more deeply into, um, I guess, a place of true belief. And I want to look at um, Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, so, so yes, we're in this state now where we groan. And um, we're waiting for our redemption as sons and um, the redemptions of our bodies, um, which is assured us through um, the good news of the gospel. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with pierced perseverance we eagerly await for it. And that's, I think, the place that, that is, it's, it's normal to to be in that kind of a place of recognizing, okay, like when I die, I'm not going to raise raise up three days later like Jesus did, um, which I think would be, you know, a little bit more reassuring. You know, the reality is, is that we buried my mom um, in April of 2021, and she's still buried. And, um, and I think it's that, it's, the, it's that, parent finality of death that I think really does trouble us um, and cause doubts to, to raise up in our in our hearts but I think it's it's the reality of Jesus you know being alive now and us um, being able to bear witness to the power of the name of Jesus in our daily lives and in our practice of praying for people and of uh, you know, of just uh, 
walking by faith in the name of Jesus and witnessing, you know, um, answers to prayer. Like today, I had a huge answer to prayer. There's a, a woman we've been walking with who had like seven or eight warrants for her arrest, and she's been a fugitive for maybe even a couple of years. She's part of our faith community. And um, we've been praying for her, and she's we baptized her last summer, and, you know, and she's, uh, but she still has been at large, you know, as a fugitive. And, and it was like a miracle that we were able to get a public defender assigned to her because normally you have to be incarcerated to get a public defender. But through prayer and through advocacy, we were able to get a public defender assigned to her. And and then on top of that, we were able to negotiate for her to come into drug court. And drug court is an alternative to prison. And um, there needs to be, you know, a justification for it. And so she was admitted into drug court and she actually showed up to the court hearings and she's fully complying. And today, you know, she she showed up, she she turned herself in knowing that she was going to have to do, you know, a couple days, maybe even a week in jail. But that choice of hers is a sign of, of just uh, the power of the name of Jesus and the power of the faith that's that's rising up in her as as the reality of the kingdom of God becomes a reality for her. I want to um, just close by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where um, verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Okay, so, and I, I believe that Jesus' physical you know, resurrection, which wasn't a resuscitation. He, he couldn't be killed again. You know, when his, his body that was raised up was a body that couldn't be executed again. It couldn't die again. It was, it was an imperishable body. And, um, you know, and when we, when we, we read the gospel accounts of that imperishable body that ascended to heaven and is at the right hand of the father as a body, you know, it's that, um, it's that reality of, of Jesus's alive status that I think gives us hope. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Um, last night, I, I led a Bible study on this text with a group of Russians in a recovery house um, four or five hours south of Mariupol, you know, in Ukraine. And, um, and these are people that have all spent time in prison. And um, I was looking at them and I was saying, well, imagine if one of you guys, um, you were out proclaiming the gospel in the town square, which is what they do every week. They go out and they share with people, they share with other addicts and, and people on the margins and anyone who will listen. I said, imagine if you were executed, one of you were executed, 
and you had all these bullet wounds. Um, I mean, you were shot, you know, you were shot all through your chest and your heart and, and you died and you were buried. And, uh, but then imagine if you, um, you know, you were, you raised up from the dead and then you came back to the recovery house and, um, everyone who was gathered there, you know, all the men that were on the zoom call that night, if, uh, they all just freaked out and they said, you know, and they thought you were a ghost, but you knew you were just you, you know, um, and I was trying to help them place themselves in Jesus' shoes, and um, and it was it was funny because they were able to. That was a that was a way that allowed them to be able to do it better. And I was saying, imagine if you just you know pull your shirt off and you showed them all the bullet holes, and you said, look, um, you know, um, touch these bullet holes, you know, and see that it's me. Okay, it really is me, you guys. It's me. I'm alive, and um, imagine what that would do for you if you knew that the guy that you know that was killed for his um, proclamation of Jesus you know was now alive and and if someone shot him up again that he couldn't be killed okay imagine what that would do for you and 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 that was super hope inspiring and uh, and just kind of a crazy idea for these recovery guys and actually for me as well to just imagine um, that that's really what this is about Jesus wants us to be um, so convinced that um, you know that we that we join this movement that is uh, that is able to stand in the face of death and um, and not be intimidated, not be afraid, but to be fully given over to the ministry of Jesus and um, to proclaiming and to giving our lives the way Jesus modeled in the Gospels. So um, God bless you and all of us as we seek to do that.